take a minute and send you a very quick video to let you know the Tuttle family's on vacation and we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, but more importantly, I also wanted to introduce our speaker today as we continue our series, Most Likely Too. And I want to introduce Lori Tyler to the stage. Lori came to Faith Chapel about three years ago. She's an amazing person. She's become a close friend. She served so faithfully at Faith Chapel. She even decided to stay after completing her internship from Global School of Supernatural Ministry. And she's helped us in our growth track. She's helped us in our Impact School of Ministry. She's smart, she's funny, she's amazing. And you're gonna love the message she brings today. So would you welcome Lori Tyler to the stage? We will see you next Sunday. God bless you guys, we love you, bye-bye. Good morning, Faith Chapel. All right. It's a beautiful day today, and I just want to welcome you here. I'm so glad to be here, and uh, Faith Chapel is my home now. I've fallen in love with you. I've fallen in love with, with this city, and that's why I stay here. I have fallen in love with the pastors uh, hi, Pastor Jim. Hi, Pastor Kelly. Happy vacation. Enjoy the rest of your time out there. <laughs> I don't have a joke today. <laughs> that broke the ice, though, didn't it? Right there. Okay, yeah, laughter. You know, the Lord talked to me about laughter this week. Um, I was reading Psalm 2. This isn't part of my message. Uh, but uh, I was reading Psalm 2, and it talked about how the enemy has schemes and plans against the Lord and against his anointed. And it says that God sits in the heavens, and he laughs. And I, I was just meditating on that like crazy, just meditating on it over and over again. And I'm like, I wonder what that looks like. I'm a visual person. So, of course, what do I do? I Google it. And uh, I'm looking through all the pictures of people laughing and stuff. I come to this cartoon, and there's three cartoon figures. The one is laying on the ground, and he is laughing so hard. He's got his belly, I mean, belly laughing, belly laughing. And the other one, tears are coming out. And the other one, they're all bent over, and you could tell this is hilarity, hilarity. And I was thinking, okay, this is the Father, this is the Son, this is the Holy Spirit. They're laughing at their enemies. And all of a sudden, I, I, I printed it out, too. I printed it on my printer. And I'm, I'm looking at the picture. I'm meditating on this. And white fire, a, white, a vision came. White fire started coming out of the one on the ground. And I'm looking at it, and God told me that laughter was holy. Yeah, laughter is holy. So, you know, it's good medicine for us, isn't it? I'm laughing this morning. Hallelujah. So today my uh, character that I'm going to talk about is Caleb. And uh, Caleb is one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. And I would say if we were writing in his yearbook, in a yearbook, uh, we we're in his class, we'd say, Caleb is the one who is most likely 
to stay the course. And this term, stay the course, is actually a war or a battle term. And it means that you're going to stick with the battle no matter what comes. In modern, uh, modern times, we heard President George W. Bush, uh, George H. Bush, and we heard President Reagan all using this phrase, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. And if you watch that movie, The Patriot, we saw Mel Gibson, stay the course, stay the course. Because when you're in the midst of the battle, you have to stay the course. This was actually a nautical term. It originated from uh, nautica. And to stay, stay was all the ropes and the rigging and the sails. And the course was that main sail that had to catch the wind. And so that all those uh, ropes and that rigging and the, the minor sails, they were all tools to keep that boat on track so it would stay the course. And so how apropos is that for the Christian walk? We have to stay on course, don't we? Because we're going somewhere. And did you know we're in a battle? You know, we have a battle going on, and, and right now I think the biggest battle that's happening in our world is the battle for the minds of people. And why do I say that? Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you hear what people are saying today, you realize there is a battle because they wouldn't be saying the things they were saying. They wouldn't be in the turmoil they're in, if there wasn't something wrong with the way they were thinking. You know, and God has a lot to say about the way we think in the battle of battlefield of the mind. So uh, the first scripture today uh, that I want to look at, where we first see our hero, Caleb, appear on the scene is in Numbers 13. And the Lord said to Moses, it's 13.1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So uh, down to verse 6, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Now, here we're introduced to Caleb as a leader of his tribe. And for all of us, if we have come into the faith, we are leaders. We may not be the leader, maybe in the church. Uh, you know, we have a leader here, and we have leaders. We have elders. We have all kinds of stuff. We have leaders of different uh, ministries. And at our home, fathers and mothers, you're the leaders of your kids. At your job, you might be the leader there. You might be the boss. But not everybody is called to a position of actual leadership. But that is when we serve our leaders, we're actually being leaders. When we're at work and we're in the lunchroom and the conversation starts getting gossipy, we're there as leaders. And when we say things like, 
Oh, I don't want to talk about Sally. She's such a sweet girl. And you know, you know, maybe she does some of the things she does because maybe she's hurting. You know, and you switch the atmosphere around. You're being a leader at your workplace, aren't you? We're leaders everywhere we're going. We're, we're leaders when we're standing in the checkout line and the cashier is slow and everybody's becoming impatient. And then when we step up there, we give her a big smile or him a big smile. And we say, how are you doing today? You're awesome. You're doing a good job. So we're called to be leaders, aren't we? In every situation, you know, like it or not, as a Christian, you are a leader. And so here we have the leader, uh, Joshua. Now he's going to get an assignment. And let's go to Numbers 13, 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up the Negev and on the hill country. See, he was... uh, before God wanted, or Moses wanted to send spies. They were, they were told by God through Abraham and then through Moses, and the time is now, the time that they're in is to go into this promised land. And so he wants to send spies up there. And um, I kind of just want to give you a setting, a background. What time did Caleb live in? He lived in the time of the Exodus. He just came out of Egypt with probably 2.4 million people. They just saw blood, the, the rivers turning into blood. They saw gnats. They saw flies. They saw great darkness cover the earth. They saw 10 of these things happen in the land of Egypt because the Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. But he also saw the people of God protected. They were in a little place called Goshen. And the things that were happening to the Egyptians did not happen to God's people. He saw them go out of Egypt uh, after the firstborn. All through Egypt, the firstborn of every household died. And there was a great cry going out, weeping and mourning. And in Pharaoh, this was, he couldn't take it. His son, even in Pharaoh's house, had died. So he said, okay, you guys, get out of here. Go. But Caleb witnessed the Red Sea parting. He witnessed all this 2.4 million people going through the midst of the sea. He witnessed that same sea coming, crashing back down on the armies of Egypt and destroying them. He saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar or or the fire by night. He saw all these miraculous things. It was crazy. It, It was miracle after miracle after miracle. Caleb saw all this. And as he saw it, he began to see what God was like and what God would do. God told him to do crazy things. And when Moses lifted up his stick, the Red Sea parted and and. He was taking it all in. He was seeing some things that were just amazing. So I'm going to continue reading Numbers 13, 17. I interrupted my reading, but I'm going to go back to it. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? 
What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season of first ripe grapes. So they went into the land in 40 days. The spies went in and saw what was happening. And so when they came back, there were certain spies They all saw the giant. There were giants in the land. God had told them ahead of time that they were going into this land. There were things that were going to have to be dispossessed. And that word dispossessed means the land was occupied and they were going to eject some people from the land. They were going to make people move out of the land. And they were coming in and they were taking this land because God gave it. So they knew that there was going to be a fight ahead of them. But when the spies went in there, they came in and they gave the report. They said, oh, yes, this land flows with milk and honey. It's just like God said. But, but, they said, there's giants in the land. And they gave a report. And it was such a report that that the people started getting scared, but the tone was different. When they said but, but is kind of a, it's a word that when you say but, you're changing everything around. Everything you said before but was one way. Now you've said but negates everything you said before. Land flowing with milk and honey, but now comes the bad report. They were telling about uh, the giants and about how uh, they were going to devour them and all this. And Caleb started hearing the conversation go in a way that didn't agree with his spirit. Have you ever been in that place where you're having a conversation and the conversation starts turning to this place and on the inside of you are going, oh no, 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 don't say that. <laughs> oh man, I don't agree with that. I really don't agree with that. You know, and then you sit there quiet. Well, Caleb wasn't quiet, was he? Numbers 13.30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, Moses took in all those things, he knew what God was like. He didn't just see the signs and wonders and forget about it. He didn't see all the enemies of God just die in the Red Sea when they came after God's people. He heard what God was saying, and he saw how God felt about him, and he saw the victory after victory after victory. And he was listening not only to the words of Moses, but he was seeing with his eyes. And this kind of reminds me of in the New Testament where uh, John the Baptist started hearing about Jesus. And, and he started wondering, is this the one? Is this the one? So he sent some of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one? And uh, when he did, Jesus told him, he said, well, the deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing, People are getting set free. 
the kingdom of God is here. And so he sent back word. And so there's an expectation of God. When you see things happen, when, when miracles happen, when, when God starts moving, when you've been healed, like today, we heard about Doug being healed. That sets us up for God to do it again, doesn't it? We get to see what God is like. And he loves to do it again. Okay. So. So at this time, the, the people, the ten, the ten spies that went with Joshua and Caleb, Caleb too gave a good report. Caleb and Joshua were the only two. 2.4 million people came out of Egypt. And of those 2.4 million, there were 600,000 men that were above the age of 20 in the census that Moses took. So those 600,000 men and their wives and all the people who were of age, those people did not go into the promised land. Only two people made it into the promised land. See, something set... Uh, something set Joshua and Caleb apart. Let's look at Numbers 14.6. Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone and the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So Caleb and Joshua saw these giants, but to them, to the ten spies, they were an insurmountable problem. They looked at their problems as something like roadblocks. We can't go any further. This is in the way. But there was something different about J- Joshua and Caleb. And I'm speaking of Caleb today. He had a di- God said that he had a different spirit in him. And that word spirit actually means, in this case, the mind. He had a different mind in him. I, I was uh, taught by... Um, I read a book called Higher Perspectives, and that is by Steve Backlin. And the first lesson, he, it's a series of, I think, 40 daily devotions. And they're, they take you from lower thinking to higher thinking. And the first one he did with us was, there's always a solution. And that's the kind of mindset that Caleb had. When a problem confronts us, when we have a giant in our land, when there's a giant, is it a roadblock or is there a solution? There's always a solution. There's an answer to everything. There always is. I'll tell on myself today. I'm going to tell on myself. There's always a solution. Now, I was getting ready to preach spent hours at my computer. I typed up all my notes. I sent notes to Miss Mary so that we could have a, something in our app. 
Oh, by the way, did I say hello to the online audience? Okay, so I, I wanted to have it in a nice folder. I had these two nice black folders. When I teach, I like to put my notes in them. So I brought them both out and set them on the table. One had blank paper in it. Guess which one I took today? <laughs> it's true, but that was not a roadblock for me. There was a solution, and that is that I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit and Mary went and printed up the thing that I had, you know, to, to go on the screen so I at least have some of the scriptures here in front of me. <laughs> but there was a solution. It wasn't a... I'm living what I'm teaching today. Whoa! <laughs> That's good. That's so good. <laughs> so I'm looking at Numbers 14.24. Uh, because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So this different spirit causes you to go in and get the victory. And do you know, by the way, he did get the victory later in life. (laughs) And this isn't in my notes either. But it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promise. So God said that all the other other ten spies, they were gone like that. God wasn't happy about this unbelief, but um, the other, the rest of the Israelites who were over the age of 20, 40 years in the desert, and they fell, and they fell, and they fell, they died. All their carcasses were in the desert, and only Caleb and only Joshua of that generation. You know, can you imagine you're the only two in your age group? So... (laughs) (laughs) Everybody else is young. (laughs) And so at 85, you know, they go in, they start taking, you know, the younger generation grows up, they get trained, they go through all this stuff in the wilderness, and it's time to go in and possess it. And at 85, Caleb goes to Joshua and he says, you know, Joshua, you know what God said to me 40 years ago? He said, I'm just as strong today as I was back then at 40. I'm 85 now. He said, and I am ready to go in and take my giants. And uh, in the book of Joshua, in the 15th chapter, <laughs> he, he routed out three giants from his mountain. He went in, he said, he said to Joshua, give me my mountain. He went after it. He said, give me my mountain at the age of 85. I'm ready to go in there and take it. So for those of us who might be a little older, the hair's getting a little grayer, even if it's covered up, you know, we have no excuse. Joshua and or Caleb started his ministry, really, his, his uh, going in and taking this land at the age of 85. So if you feel like, I remember when I was 23 or 26 and I became a Christian and I would cry. I'd go, oh, I've wasted my whole life. I've wasted my whole life being a sinner. I've done all these things and I'm starting at 26. I thought I was so old to be starting 
my Christian walk. And, and really, I was so naive at the time, I didn't realize how many things God was going to have to bring me through, how many victories I would have to get to get to the place where I would actually be starting my ministry. <laughs> so I'm thinking about this Caleb thing all, all week, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm starting early. God didn't wait till I was 85. I'm only 59, and he's already starting with me. So we can learn some things from both Caleb, and we can learn some things from the crowd. You know, they all had a different report, and they saw things differently. But you know what? We can, the first thing we can learn is that the crowd is not always right. What everybody else is saying is not right, is not always right. Just because everybody believes something doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, so following the crowd is a bad idea. And releasing negativity is not a good idea. It really wasn't. I mean, they, they released all this negativity and fear about the giants. And what happened is that the rest of the people who weren't spies, all night long, they went and they cried. They cried and wailed all night. And what happened was the negativity that they released, it changed the atmosphere, and it made the hearts of the people melt. So what we say with our mouths and our attitude toward things, if, if we don't have it right, if we're not staying on the God side of things, we're affecting people negatively. And we don't want that, do we? We want to affect people positively so we can learn things from the, the ones who didn't go in. And we can learn things from Caleb. Caleb had a different spirit. And uh, let's look at Ephesians 4.23. Uh, NRV tells us to be made new in the attitude of our minds. So when we recognize that our thinking is not positive, that we're not thinking God's ways, that our thoughts are not maybe higher thoughts, they're lower thoughts. Maybe we got some grumbling going on on the inside. Do you know the Christian walk is not an outward thing? It's not about what we do. What we do is important. It's about what is going on on the inside of us. What are we thinking? What are we feeling? What is that inner life like? Jesus talked a lot about the inner life. He talked about people being whitewashed tombs. He doesn't want us just to put on good behavior on the outside and sit there. You know, you, you, know, you can tell someone that they're amazing and on the inside, you could be thinking something else. God wants us to clean the inside of ourselves, doesn't he? And, you know, he's given us his spirit as a teacher. And, you know, when you start going in the wrong direction, Holy Spirit's going to point it out to you. you. You recognize the things. When something comes out of your mouth and it's not right, it doesn't feel like right, does it? Because you really are a new creature. You really are new in Christ, and you really are born again. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something's happened to you. You're not that old person you were. 
that person is dead and gone. And now there's a new person on the inside of you that God wants to develop and bring out. It's an amazing person, and it's a person who has a mind that's like his. He said that his thoughts are higher than his thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways, didn't he? So as you get around him, you get to know him, and we get to know him through his word, and we get to know him different ways. We get to know him through experience, too. We get to see him doing things in our life, especially, you know, I think of all the things that God's done for me, and it, it's just amazing. We need to, like Caleb, we need to take those things and make them important. Um, I was reminded of something again recently. So I had some things happening at, at work. Again, not another roadblock for me. I lost a client. He passed away. And then another client let me go. So this was four days of work. I lost. And I called my daughter and I go, Sarah, I just, I said, I don't know what's happening. I've just lost all this work. I said, and I started, you know course I was freaking out a little bit not a lot just a little there was a little fear starting to you know freaking out is fear right it's anxiety it's worry that's that's you know the modern term is freaking out but bible term is worry (laughs) so my daughter who is not much you know I wouldn't say she's a believer so to say she goes oh mom she goes when thing, things like this happen to you all the time, she goes, it always works out for you. And I went, and I started laughing. I was like, and it's true. All things work together for good to those who are called according to God's purpose, right? But I was thinking, okay, when I needed that $650 for church, God gave me a vision, money, was hitting me and then people started just started with 50 bucks someone said lord told me to give you 50 bucks then it was 300 then and you know there was just all these times when it's crazy god people have handed me money at different times in my life not just a five dollar bill but i'm talking people have handed me big checks a lady started writing me checks when i was in school i didn't have to work as much because Every month, that $100, $200, sometimes $500 would come, you know, and it was just like, are you kidding me? Who sends somebody $500 in the mail? And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God's got me. And she just said, you know, God can talk to you through somebody who doesn't realize it. He was talking to me that day, and I've been free and clear since then. I realized, yeah, he's taking care of me. He's meeting my needs. And so, next scripture is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. (laughs) You know, when Caleb went to battle, when he, well, he wasn't even going to battle yet, but when, when this whole situation came up, He wasn't thinking about what he could do. He was thinking about what his God could do. And so many times we're thinking, I don't have this. I don't have that. I haven't been to school for that. I don't know how to do this. We're thinking about all we're bringing to the table. 
But Caleb wasn't just thinking about what he was bringing to the table. Yeah, he was a trained soldier. Yeah, he knew what to do with his bow and arrow. But he wasn't going into battle alone, and neither are we. We have to remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So when things come up, we don't have to depend on ourselves. We're not alone. We're not going into the battles we're facing alone, are we? We're going in with Jesus. Hallelujah. He's coming in with us, and he has given us the mind of Christ. He is giving us the Holy Spirit, our teacher, who reminds us of the things we need to say. So good, so good, so good. We're never alone. Okay, 2 Corinthians one twenty. So no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. See, he was, he was depending on that promise, wasn't he? There was a promise that he would go in, that the whole nation would go into this promised land, dispossess it, and take it over, and they were going to live in this land flowing with milk and honey. See, he had that promise in his mind, too. Caleb had a lot of things going for him. The first thing he had going for him is that he stood out in a crowd. He let his light shine before men. He didn't just go with what, what everybody else was saying. And he spoke up. He didn't keep the things that, you know, it was bothering him. He tore his clothes. That was a sign that he was grieved when those other spies were saying the things they were. And when the hearts of the people were melting, he was grieved. It bothered him. And when you have that grieving in your spirit, it's time to speak up, isn't it? It's not time to be silent and just sit back and let, you know, what will be, will be. No, it's time for you to rise up because you're in a war. You're in a war for the minds of the people around you. You're, you're in a war for the minds of the people you work with, the people you live with. You have something to offer people. You've got Jesus and you've got the Holy Spirit and you are fully armed and you are fully able what did God say about Caleb? He said, he followed me with his whole heart. Fully. Caleb was all in. He was all in for God. He wasn't part in. He wasn't in when it was convenient. He wasn't in when it was just going good for him. He was in when he was facing giants. He was in when he was 85 years old. He was in, he was in, he was in all the time. He, he got, something got a hold of him. And when you see the things God has done for you, you know, I, I look back on my life, I, and I don't just see the financial miracles. I see the miracles of healing. I see God coming through. I see the near accidents when I'm driving my car. Oh, my gosh. And somehow I wake up at that moment and get out of it. <laughs> and God not only protects me, he protects my car. And Caleb, the second thing Caleb had going for him is that he developed a higher perspective. He began to think higher than the people around him because he wasn't just considering himself. He was considering who, whose he was and who was with him. 
Moses was the one that said, I'm not going anywhere unless your presence goes. And when Moses would go into that tent and that cloud would come over the tent, his assistant Joshua went in there. Remember now, their generation is Joshua and Caleb. So he's friends with this guy who Moses leaves the tent and Joshua's still laying on the floor. Joshua's like a more guy. More, Lord, more, more. Give me more of that fire. God, I love your presence. I'm never coming up out of here. Let Moses go, but I'm, I'm still here. You know, and so this was his friend. He chose his friends. You know, he had, we have to choose friends wisely. You know, don't we? He focused on what he could do, not what he couldn't do. He, he remembered that he was in partnership with God. And then his history with God, your history with God. How many have a history with God? How many have seen God do things? And even, even the things that you see in the Bible, that's kind of our history too. I mean, God parted the Red Sea. I wasn't there, but when I meditate on the word and when I watch that movie with the wall, <laughs> you know, Charlton Heston, the wall of water, like that, I can imagine what it was like to go through that dry ground and go to the other side. And then I can also imagine what it was like to see those wa- that water come crashing down over the Egyptians. So we remember our history with God. We remember the things he does, and we expect him to do it again. We expect him to do it again. He expects something from us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that was part of what Caleb had. God was pleased with Caleb, wasn't he? Because Caleb, when everybody else was saying how impossible it was, he's saying, we are well able. Let's go up at once. Right now, let's do it. We, we got this. They're all there. Uh, one of the things he said is all their weapons are demolished. He wasn't looking at the size of the enemy. He was looking at the size of his God. Yeah. And so we have to focus on that, the size of our God and what he's like and what he does. And then we have promises from God. Has God promised any of you anything? In his word, there's, there's like hundreds, thousands of promises in there. He promises us all this stuff, but he's promised you something. He's shown you some things. He's shown you your destiny. He's shown you where he wants to take you. And maybe right now you might feel like, all your tools, you know, uh, when we think of that armor of God, they're sharp weapons, you know, uh, going in there, I'm going to take the weapon. And when you first start out, those tools might seem like you have a, a maybe a sand pail and a little plastic, you know, thing there. And you're like, huh, I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> but as you develop as a Christian, and as you, as you get to know God more, and he starts showing you things, and you're like, he's, he blows your mind, and he tells you the things you're going to do. And you're like, me? 
Me? Are you kidding me, God? I remember one time at school, it, we had a teacher in there, Charles Stock. He's the, he's the pastor over at Life Center in Harrisburg. And he came in and taught our class for one or two days. And then his time was over. And so most of the teachers would do ministry at the end. He's going down the line of my class. And we're all lined up at the front like this. And he's going, Phil, 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 Phil. Phil, and then he gets to me, and he stops, and he goes, I'm the only one he gave a word to, he goes, you're going to do things that are great. He said, people are going to look at you, and they're going to go, her? She did that? I mean, that's a good word right there. (laughs) Uh, So I hold on to that word, and the other words God has given me, you know, and one of my, the, the words other people give you are great, and you can keep those, and you keep going over them, and uh, letting them, like, affect how you think of yourself, and how you think of the world around you, but the ones that God gives you personally, you know, the day God spoke to me the loudest and clearest he did, I, I was a mother of two little children, and I had them 14 months apart. And they're taking their nap, and I'm worshiping. Worship you, God, worship you. And I just worshiped and worshiped and worshiped till I was in another place. I don't even think I was on the ground anymore. And then all of a sudden, you know how it is in worship. Sometimes it gets holy, and you just stop. And it was like a couple minutes of stopping. I'm just sitting there. Because I knew God wanted to say something. He goes, is all he said. He goes, I have anointed you to teach, preach, and work miracles. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and that is a word that is written all over my Bible. I will never forget that word. That word, and there's other words that go with it. He's given me words since then. But, you know, when God speaks to you, when he gives you a word, you've got it. those promises are for us to hold on to till they come to pass. Even if it's 45 years later, remember it's through faith and patience that we receive the promises. Caleb waited 45 years before he went in and took his mountain. So sometimes it takes a little time, doesn't it? Hallelujah. So now we can wind this up. Okay. So, <laughs> I didn't plan this part either. <laughs> Help, Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's been doing a good job so far. So, <clears throat> I think we all ought to just kind of just sit and marinate in this. I think, I think we need to start recalling to our mind and in rehearsing in our mind the things that God has promised us. The, the promises he's made to us. And if while I was speaking, maybe you recognized that your thinking was a little lower than you want it to be. Your thinking needs to go to a higher level. Just change your mind. Change your mind. Do you know what the Bible word for that is? No one likes to say that that much. But that's what, that's what repentance is. It's changing your mind. 
It's turning away from a former way so that you can do better. You know, we, we're, we're learners. If we're disciples of Christ, we're learners. That's what that word indicates. It means a disciplined learner. And see, we're on this journey, aren't we? We're going somewhere. And we've got tools. We can set the course of our life by using the tools that have been set out for us, by thinking the higher thoughts, and by getting our minds set on the promises, and just going forward and letting the wind of the Spirit push us ahead, take us to our promised land, defeat those giants. You weren't meant to be scared of giants. You were meant to drive them out. There's giants, aren't there? But you got it. You got this. You can drive them out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you guys. God, I just thank you for every hungry heart here. Every person, Father, who's heard what you've said. Father, I pray that the things that you've said to them would go deep. Father, would change their life, Father. Would cause them to be giant killers. Cause them, Father, to possess new lands. Cause them to go farther. Father, as adjustments were made in thinking today, I thank you, Lord, that sails were set. And I just ask for the wind of your spirit, Lord, to just blow on every person here. And I just thank you, God, that you've got a destination and a destiny for every person here. And God, I stand with every person here that they're going to make it. They're going to do. They're going to do what you've called them to do. They're going to pick up their tools and they're going to start moving forward. Because this is the day that you've made, God. This is another day we have to serve you. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, there's, there's, um, there's a ministry team. If you need prayer, the altar's open. You can come on up. We want someone to pray with you.